You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. This is a big one. Badgers pulled off. We're catching up with all the coaches uh, over the preseason. See how plans are going. No, no, I didn't Batch. let you know. What? No, we couldn't get Mal. We've had to. Oh wow! To get I'd like to hear the reaction to that. Actually, <laughs> if, if we could, Rick, what a sledge straight up. Just mate, more respect. This I've is the. Always, Sorry, I've always been second fiddle to Mal. Mate. <laughs> always been second fiddle to Mal. This is the 1993 <laughs> Dally M medalist you're talking to here. He did a lot more than that in the game. He uh, did plenty. You're Raiders, getting, uh, you're getting trouble nowadays for those sledges. <laughs> <laughs> Raiders coach and great mate and former teammate of Gary Belcher's Ricky Stewart. Johnny's on Sports Day. How are you, Rick? Good, Jason. How are you, mate? Yeah, very good. Uh, how are you enjoying? Are you and the teammate and your players enjoying those lovely, balmy Januaries in Canberra at the moment? Mate, it's hot at the moment. It's uh, up around mid to high 30s, and it's, uh, you know, it's like, yeah, it's at dry heat, and it's, it's tough on the players at the moment, but we've got two, uh, two very hot games uh, come rounds one and two up in Townsville and then Redcliffe, so. Uh, it'll give us a little bit of um, a little bit of that uncomfortable feeling in regards to the heat, but it's um, it's you know we're, we're used to it here in Canberra at this time of the year. Mm. And and just um, you know not that long ago your players got back from uh, from the World Cup. Uh, you, do you do you get a little bit of? I don't I don't get jealous about not being there, but I wish I could be over there. Not certainly not as a player, but how do you feel as a as a, a coach about your players going and you not being involved? Oh, look, I'm, I'm I'm really proud of the fact that they are they can come back and uh, say that they've been on a tour. You know, it's as close as you'll get to a kangaroo tour um, from an Australian point of view, and also the boys that are involved in the other countries. It's as close as a kangaroo tour, and we know how good those kangaroo tours were, the British Line tours, and um, you know the of the days we played badge. But you know the the, the World Cup. I know the Kiwi boys. Um, I know that the uh, I mean all of the boys that I had majority was with uh, Samoa Kiwis and um, uh, Australia and they loved it um, I had a couple of other boys with Lebanon and uh, Fiji and and it was they, they, they came back uh, and I can one thing I can say the younger blokes came back as better players uh, mm. mixing with more senior players and learning the experience of what the senior players or how those those elite players uh, prepare and train. Yeah, it, it does amazing things for your confidence, Rick. And I remember your uh, your first kangaroo tour in 1990, um, which I'm sure you still get reminded about that famous um, that famous second test of everywhere you go, wouldn't you? Yeah, I you know, I love it myself, uh, Badge, because it was you know, just one of those moments that you. It's always the the, the moment that um, you regret, and it's always nice to have those moments that you remember. And, um, having having that opportunity with you guys, uh, when I actually put it in that position with the intercept pass that I threw, put it, you know, having a, a hand in uh, getting the um, the next try to win the game was, uh, you know, something that I'll never ever forget. But you know, I, I said to Jack White, and when he came back, that uh, I'm just so proud of him and happy for him the fact that he uh, he now can say that he's been on one of these tours and 
it's a, um, a World Cup tour, and, and he won it. You know, mm. lifting the lifting the trophy is something that he'll never forget. And he had his family there, and um, talking to his wife, and or not his wife, but his partner and the kids on Saturday after training. Um, there's just moments there as a family they won't uh, they won't ever forget. So you know, they're the moments you they're the moments you love and um, you work hard for. Yeah, and I know Mal got the families involved a lot more. That well, certainly then when we were playing, um, it, you you get a sense from your players that uh, they they love that that extra aspect to it because it was oh actually nineteen eighty six that partners were actually banned from coming to our hotel. That was mm. a rule, an unofficial rule. It's sort of changed over the years, but now they're um, they're heavily involved, aren't they? Families. Yeah, absolutely, and and the and the players want it. Um, I think it's important for them because it's uh, it makes them comfortable away from the game and away from training. So, you know, it's it's definitely changed and it should change like that over the years. And it's something that uh, um, it's not new now. It's just we're we're accustomed to it. It's something that you make sure you promote. And yeah. we had the same thing on Saturday after training. We had all our wives, partners, children come to training for a brunch and um, just to catch up and get together because we've got a few new players, new partners. So they. Uh, We'll get the opportunity to meet each other. Badge, how disappointed were you in 86 that wives were banned from your hotel? Be uh, honest. My wife, she actually didn't go over oh, to, to terrific. England. Yeah. But there was a, <laughs> uh, a teammate of mine who actually booked his wife into a room in the same hotel as us. What? Snuck her in. She was there for a week or two. And his roommate kept sort of going, where is this bloke? He's disappearing every night. <laughs> anyway, no mentions, but yeah, he was my roommate, Jimmy. Uh, <laughs> he, he wouldn't have paid for his own room. No, exactly. I don't know. He must have got some sort of special deal. Unbelievable. <laughs> hey, um, uh, hey, hey, Rick. You, you. We, actually, well, last night we were talking about great Australian coaches because uh, Eddie Jones back into the fold with the the Wallabies. We got people who tell us coaches in any sport, um, and of course you coached Australia. I tried to push your name, but the boys wouldn't have oh, a lot to do with on, it. Well, come on. How do you look back at your time coaching Australia? Oh, I really enjoyed it. It was a um, probably the early part of my career that uh, I was coaching NRL. Um, I think it was about this, I was about six years in and coaching South Wales and into Australia. It was look, I enjoyed it. It was probably the most memorable game for coaching Australia for me. It was apart from getting sacked. Uh, <laughs> it was it was the um, the the game that was it the bicentennial game the um, bicentennial game and it was a, the night we wore the um, um, our traditional jumper, uh, the heritage jumper, um, and we uh, we played against New Zealand. And it was the night that Jack Gibson passed away, and we played at the SCG. It was so uh, it was a very very memorable moment, and something that um, you know it's uh, I'm, I'm I'm big on keepsake, and you now I've still got the jumper signed signed jumper by the boys and photos of that game. It was something very special. Hey Rick, how much has coaching changed since then? To how it is now. I mean, I hope you don't mind us saying off air. You see, you've got a couple of the boys coming around tonight with partners. It's changed a lot, hasn't it? Yeah, it has. It's it's very different. Uh, that was just something I was talking to Mal about on um, during the week. Um, when you're coaching at NRL level and also uh, international or Origin level, it is very different. I mean, Origin is so much different to coaching Australia when you're on tour. Um, and both those both those positions are very different in coaching an NRL club. Um, I've had the um, I've been very fortunate to coach at those three levels, and this, being on tour uh, for a World Cup, 
being in an Origin series and then being at the at the coalface for uh, what thirty odd weeks of the year, or well, and that's only the competition outside preparation. All three of them have completely different uh, dynamics, and from an Origin point of view, where you know there's there's no strategy, there's no there's no game plan that's going to win a game against. Um, another football team that's, you know, that owns probably 17 of the best football players out of best 34 to 40 in the world. Um, there's no game plan that wins it. It comes back down to heart and desire, courage. It comes back down to your commitment to the jumper and your mate. And, and that's what you build it on. And it comes back down to talent. And, and, and you know, it's uh, with Australia, when you're on tour, it's about keeping people happy and upbeat. It's about making sure that they're getting to the sideline because they are talented players. And then uh, at an NRL level, completely different again. It's it's the welfare of the player. You manage them day to day, and uh, moods, emotions change daily to um, making sure that players are uh, comfortable. And and then you've got to make sure that they're ready to play a game of football each week. And it's a very arduous task coaching at an NRL level because it's on 24 hours a day. And whether you're at home, whether you're at work, um, you're thinking football as a coach. Mm. And and of course you've you've still got that desire to do it, no doubt at all, Rick. And you have to. What do you, what do you thought? And a bloke who had a massive influence on you. I saw it firsthand as um, you know as as a player when when you came to the Raiders and Tim Sheens was um, it, the knowledge that he imparted to you. And I think you fed off each other a lot. What do you think about him coming back to coach the Tigers? You, is he um, is the right man for the job? Look, Badge. I think they needed they needed to settle the. Uh settle this side noise and, and Sheenzy, you know, Sheenzy's like, mate, he's had great influence over both of us and he, he don't give us stuff what people say from an outside point of view and they needed someone to settle the ship there. They needed an experienced person because they've got, uh, they got an inexperienced administration, they've got inexperienced um, uh, coaches around the uh, the fold now. So yeah, they, they need someone there that's a bit of direction and somebody who can give them some some opinion and answers on through experience. So mm. I think he'll be good there for a couple of years. For if they are going to bring through Robbie and uh, Benji, uh, he he will be extremely good for them. And today it's probably something you talk about with the coaching um, today, and it's something I was just talking to Mal about. You know, as a head coach, whether it's international um, and, and especially at NRL level, you have to delegate a lot of the work. You, 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 if you think you can do it all yourself, you can't, and you won't do the you, you won't do the job right. I, I give my assistant coaches a hell of a lot of responsibility. Some can handle it and some can't. Some do a good job, some do a better job. But it is so important to get the dynamics and the balance right because they have such an influence on the football team. And I've been here for 10 years now. And if it was my voice, just my voice all day, every day, which I get sick of, <laughs> um, I, I wouldn't last this. I wouldn't have longevity at the club. So I have to be smart in how I handle... Um, the dynamics, and I keep saying the dynamics because it's important to understand that having that balance is really important in regards to trusting and uh, sharing the responsibility of uh, getting a player up to play, teaching a player, developing players. And you know, it's not just the 30 odd in your group, you've got probably a close 45, 50 players you've got your eye on in regards to development and also playing that weekend. Mm. And I can attest to that. You know, I went to training a couple, a couple of years ago, Stick, and I'd, I said something to you about defence and a pattern or whatever, and you went, oh, no, that's his job. And you pointed to one of your assistant coaches, and I thought, hang on, 
Yeah, that's. I, I just, yeah. I just didn't expect it. But uh, as you said, you've got to give them that responsibility. One thing you can't pass the buck on as a head coach is uh, the the flack you're going to cop when th- when times are tough. And you've got to have thick skin. Um, no, that's as, where I prefer to be the assistant. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> how, how do you handle all yeah. that stuff, Ricky? You're better at it now. No, I'll, I'll never be better at it because I see it. I take it personally. Mm. Um, one, one, it. It depends on who's throwing the flak or the criticism uh, badge. If it's from, uh, you know, social media and all that bullshit, oh, that really doesn't hurt me. You know, but if it was somebody who is making it personal that you know, yeah, I'll take them on. And that's just in my nature. That's just me. And that'll, that'll never change, unfortunately. And I don't want it to because mm. that's that's the Ricky Stewart that I know and I, I want to be. But, you know, and that's protecting players and protecting myself. Um, and, and protecting my club. But, you know, go, going back to the assistant coaches, you've still got to, and I've got to cop the flack if we get beaten because it's the way I want to play the game. Now, if the assistant coaches come to me and say, oh, I've got a better way to defend, or I've got a better way to attack, uh, I'll go that way. If they can prove it to me 100%, I'll, I'll let them take, uh, take charge fully in regards to if they've got a better idea or a better um, uh, strategy or plan. It's... Um, it's, I've got definitely got no ego there in regards to who wants to um, take the joy of winning a game of football. Or, or, I mean, there's been many times I've walked into a press conference and I said, "No, that wasn't that wasn't my idea there. That wasn't my play. Or that wasn't my plan. That was one of my assistants." So I love sharing the um, <laughs> sharing the, the joy the of flag. the joy of winning a game. Of footy. <laughs> no, no, no. Sharing the joy of oh, winning yeah, a game yeah. of footy if if, they, if they've had an input into it and a contribution where I might have. In a press conference, for example, they said that was great coaching in regards to a certain aspect of the game. I say, yeah, that was Billy Smith, for example. Mm. Mm. Better than me. I'd, I'd take all the maps I can get. You do it every day hey, here. Yeah. Now, what about you players? For all those years I played with you. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't do much on the field. I had. To... Hey, what about players? And I know they've changed, uh, and they're they're a, they're a different kettle of fish now, for want of a better term. Do they demand a bigger say? Do, do or you know, you're still trying to. Um, and I know there's there's play there's there's captaincy groups and lead play you know leadership groups and everything yep. else. Do they demand more say and are they do they all want more say in how the uh, the team performs? Um, yeah, they they like to be um, they like to be involved in decision making and there's decision making, but there's also players have to play and coaches have got to coach. Um, managers of um, of the club, our CEO and our management, they've got to manage and run the club. Mm. So uh, most definitely, uh, and I'm, I'm probably better at it now than, uh, not better at it now, understand it a lot better now as I've uh, I got older and my kids have grown up, that, you know, having that communication, having them involved in decisions um, gets better buy-in. And, and again, if you, you can't coach and you'll never be... I think a successful or as good as you can be if you're going to coach and, and make it about you. If mm. it's all about me as a coach, you, you're going to get seen through, you're going to get caught out early. It's got to be about the result of the players, developing the players, the result of the football team. Um, you've got to make those decisions that you think is going to be best for the club and um, and the player. But it's I often, you know, I've got a leadership group, we call it Club 82, which is our foundation year, it's it's very important. And I, I think those boys are getting better at being involved in decision-making. Um, and 
there's been a um, a big growth period there because early in the piece I didn't have a lot of leaders, so we've had to develop and teach these guys through maturity and and them growing up. You know, Jack Whiten and Josh Papali, those boys. Yep. Having to grow up and um, understand what leadership's about. It's and again, it's not. You can effort, you can definitely not be greedy when you're involved in leadership. It's got to be something that's for everybody. There was a lot of talk about this. Rick, Rick was a great leader at times. If he'd first at the bar, he'd make sure everyone had a drink. <laughs> what he shouted? Shout no, 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 no. He'd, he'd line some. He'd always line somewhere up for free drinks. <laughs> is that true? Like Rick, come first on. Last to shout. Yeah, yeah. Last to shout, mate. You would have been today. Don't worry. Oh, good, you are. I believe. It. Hey, there's been a lot of talk, boys, over the last 24 hours with the appointment of Eddie Jones as the Wallabies coach, Rick, and a lot about his toughness, um, and, and you know, and also his planning and all that. Rick, is there room in the game with the current player? Is there still room for a tough coach like an Eddie Jones who who doesn't cop anything and it's his way? Oh, I, I I don't purely. I've spent a little bit of time with Eddie. I spent a week with him in Tokyo. Um, but uh, uh, there's a lot more to Eddie behind the scenes than what we read or hear. You know, well, you, know we, you often hear about the, that, that toughness and taskmaster. There's, there's a lot of players like, like playing for him too. I mean, I know that you always want to... You'll always only probably really hear the negative of the, uh, the players that don't like playing with him or whatnot, but a lot of that, a lot of times, that is from players who probably didn't like the truth either. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. uh, there's certainly players out there who are probably, you know, I could say enjoyed being coached by Eddie, and you know, we'll soon find out. But you know, he's he's going to be walking into a really big job, and he's a person with a lot of experience. We talked about Tim Sheens there earlier. I mean, you know, taking over the Australian team at this stage, the year of the World Cup, probably not somebody that you need there to be cutting his teeth on a on, on a new job as a, as a Wallaby coach. You need someone there who's got the experience and statistically and, and he's, uh, his record, it speaks for itself. He's had success and, uh, and he'll, he'll have a completely different preparation going into a World Cup now with only six months, seven months of work to what he would have if he had three years. So right, yeah. it probably won't be debuting too many players. He'll be getting, uh, getting co- cohesion and combinations and patterns of play correct. Yeah, yeah. he's only got five games. Before yeah, the World Cup, so we got eight months. Seriously, hey, stick. <laughs> yeah, I mean, honestly, <laughs> it is. I mean, we, we we go into our biggest we go into our biggest game of the season, our biggest biggest game on the calendar in an Origin match, and we've got ten days, and you probably train three times. Yeah, good you so, boys. I mean, <laughs> it's I I think it'll be an exciting it'll be exciting for a coach going in knowing, knowing only eight months to go into a World Cup. I reckon it'll be quite a um, It'll be an enjoyable job. Played in a job, enjoyable position, having only eight months. I know why we beat you now in Origin, Rick. You, you, you trained three times. Jeez, we, we you didn't to, train we once, We used to have to go out until train Tuesday. <laughs> train Tuesday, Arvo. Too much training, Rick. <laughs> hey, um, how, where, where, does, where do you – what do you look back on? I mean, you, had, you did everything virtually possible in, in rugby league. But, of course, you, were, you had this um, – this, uh, blossoming rugby union career. I think you just two at Argentina when you decided to switch cars. You ever look back and think what what might have been? No, no, bad. Because I I was always a rugby league player. Come from rugby league family. Um, I played league on Sundays. I went to a school at Sandman's College here, which uh, you know I still still get involved with at times. Um, um, and that, that I had to play rugby, and I had to give up league when I was in year eleven because brother Wallace, my headmaster. Uh, and also, first fifteen coach um, said it was either league, 
league or union, you had to give up one. Or I had to leave school if it was going to be league. So <laughs> I tried to leave school and the old man wouldn't let me. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I loved rugby. I, I really, I was very fortunate to tour tour the world with uh, rugby union from a schoolboy 21 level and uh, then obviously getting the opportunity to travel Argentina. Um, it's it, it, it was it was a different game then, um, but still got a lot of great memories and friendships from that. But uh, no, I was I was always going to play league, and I had a handshake deal with John McIntyre that the day I was going to come back to uh, discuss about coming back to play rugby league, I talked to him first, and uh, that was the case. Mm. I'm glad Chris O'Sullivan didn't know about that earlier. <laughs> You'd have been filthy another half <laughs> coming. <laughs> Not real happy with that. No, he wouldn't at all. He wasn't. Uh, is there a better place in the world to tour than Argentina? I've oh. heard so much about it. How was that? <laughs> Without giving too much a, away. Uh, I know Topo Rodriguez enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah well, he, <laughs> so, uh, he was Argentinian. Well, Topo was an Argentinian. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. It was a. Uh, he, he was a great. Great mentor for the squad when you know being over there, and Simon Porterman was our captain, and I had a lot of experienced players around me, and um, yeah, uh, made great friendship with Steve Libri, who ended up coming back to Canberra, then yeah. and living with me here at Canberra and playing for the Raiders, and becoming great mates with all of us, oh. uh, yourself included. And um, I don't think I played with a tougher man than Steve Libri, and it was uh, having the opportunity of being on that tour to play with him. Yeah, another quick, another story I won't tell, but he, he broke his neck, firstly broke his neck in uh-huh. a game against Penrith and, and was okay. Jeez. Jumped on the bus, yeah. went back, yeah. and then, and uh, I think Ricky was trying to fight him or something, but he <laughs> managed to avoid that. <laughs> Got up the next morning, went to physio, and I went, don't move. Really? So he never played again, did he? Hard man. Jeez. No, he didn't. No, he was very lucky, very lucky to live, really. Um, mm. And fortunately that he actually came off the field, he had stayed on the field, and he nearly did. He went to the short side. The ball didn't go that way. If he had come to the open, the ball went that way. He make a tackle. He would have. He would have died. And yeah. that's the. Um, that's that was the. the um, how 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 bad he was. But yet he thought he had spasms in his neck. He thought he didn't know what it was. They put him in a brace. He come back on the bus, and the next morning went to hospital. Went to the doctors, and uh, they came out, rushed, put a towel around his neck, and uh, got him into an ambulance. Jeez. Very lucky. Yeah, One tough bugger, eh? Oh, yeah. A couple of quick rugby league questions about this year, Rick, before we let you go, because I know you've got to get ready for your dinner tonight. Uh, Jared Croker, I, hear, I see he's nearing a return to full training. Is there a spot for the 32-year-old this year? He's back now. He started this week as a full time, uh, back to full work. Um, he's been in rehab uh, for a while now, Jared. He's, he's, he's been very unlucky. Mm. Um, and it's, it's yeah, sad to see. Uh, a guy at this stage of his career... Broken so many records. I mean, I think he's eight games away from 300. Mm. Um, it's it's just sad to see when a player keeps getting injured, and you know, as you get older, it's just harder to overcome. Mm. Is he looking Definitely. all right, Rick? Yeah, he's back. He's back running now. It's a um, he's out of rehab. He, he doesn't do any double days in regards to running uh, on his leg, but uh, you know, we're just we're just watching Jared and making sure we do everything we possibly can to get him back to uh, his best possible. You know, physical condition. Yeah, which, which player stick before we go excites you the most in your squad for this year? Ah, uh, Badge, I don't want to name one or two. I, I, I've got a lot of good young young kids coming through, mm. and I, I know we'll be doing a few this year. Um, one or two have probably played one or two games, um, but um, yep. you know we're 
we, we're, we're in a position now where we need these young blokes to come through. I've, last year, I said to my outside backs, um, blokes like you know Harley Smith Shields, who unfortunately did a knee and was missed a year, Matt Tomoko said to Chris, I said, you've got to show me that you're going to make a point of difference in the NRL, otherwise I've got to buy over top of you. Um, that's the cup straight business we're in. I've got three or four middles now, kids that are ready to play first grade and, and will. Um, I've, I've, let, I've let go some senior players because otherwise I would have let these, I mean, these younger kids would have been um, seen their path was blocked and would have uh, probably looked for a, another opportunity. So I've, I've said to them already, day one for the pre-season before Christmas, that you've got your opportunity now to show me you're going to be in NRL middle and it's your job. So I've got some kids coming through there that'll excite you. Tough conversation to make to let those players go. Have you got an assistant coach that can do that for you? <laughs> <laughs> I would. Before you go, Rick, before you go, obviously a lot of talk in the news at the moment about the CBAs. Is uh, Your players, have they had meetings about this, Rick, and is there any talk around your club? No, there's none, actually. I, I, I only just heard a bit about it this morning through a couple of the coaches talking about it, what they read in the papers, so. Um, no, I, mate, there's not a player spoken to me about anything. Um, um, it's, it's, hopefully we can get to some decision quickly, but they're also, um, uh, I mean, there's a lot of media out there now at the moment because there's nothing else to really talk about. Mm-hmm. So this is going to cop a fair bit over the next couple of, uh, next couple of days, but I, I've got all the, I've got all the faith in the world in Peter and, um, Andrew running the game. I really do. I mean, they, um. Uh, if it wasn't for wasn't for Peter, uh, I don't know where we'd be because I think we us and racing was the only sport in the world that uh, continued yep. during that uh, period of uh, COVID. So, and and we, we were going broke. Mm. I, I don't know how they've done it, but now now they're paying out millions and millions of dollars. We're we're flush, or when I say flush, we're a lot healthier than where we were before COVID, and yet only two sports that was kept um, kept. Uh, going was rugby league and racing and, and fortunately now we're a lot healthier from a financial point of view so you know we can't forget that but mm. I understand players have got uh, uh, their gripes and, and rights and they'll fight for that but uh, I was going to keep about coaching. Yeah, I'll be blowing up if I only got a 25% pay rise too, Rick. But uh, well said, mate. That's what the salary cap's You actually up. do, nice. Badge. You actually do. Let's be honest. Oh, not every year. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Rick, great great talking to you again, mate. And, um, and good yeah, luck for the guys. season. Bring on the footy in a couple of weeks' Thank time. Thanks, Rick. Look forward to talking to you again. Thanks. Thanks, guys. See ya. Thanks for listening to the podcast. And don't forget, you can listen to Sports Day every day from Monday to Thursday, 6 p.m. or 5 p.m. Queensland time.